Good morning, everybody. It's great to have you with us bright and early on a Sunday morning. It is actually 8.32, and you're here in church an hour ahead of time. Well, that's a great achievement, isn't it? In fact, probably twice as many as we normally get out on this Sunday morning uh, with, this, uh, with the daylight savings. always a bit of a... Uh, knocks a lot of people out, but not you. You guys are made of iron and steel or something like that. Can I just mention that Auckland Prayer Breakfast again? We have booked three tables, and my last count, we need another 21 people to join us to fill those tables up. Really want to make a statement to Auckland at Church Unlimited. We're just leading the way in prayer for this nation, for this city. So, hey, if prayer is anything in your heart, sign up. $30, I think it is, actually, to come and be a part of it. And, you know, it's... um. It's across denominations, and you know I know there's prayer is a part of it, but there's a bigger thing happening here. To me, it's a statement of unity in the body, and that's a massive statement. And all denominations come to this. So, if you've got a heart for unity, come and join us and be a part of increasing unity in our city. Hey, uh, tonight we've uh, tonight I've called it a game changer. It is an hour of power service. But if you find your work hard going, dreary, can't wait for the end of the day or the next weekend or holiday, if you don't find your job really enjoyable, exciting, fulfilling, rewarding, something you look forward to, <laughs> then tonight's for you. Because we have an anointing on our church to shift. What I mean by that is to shift people to a better place. And tonight, I want to really pray and believe for a shift in your work life, uh, in your job, in your home, wherever it is, so that your job becomes something that you you just can't wait to get to work tomorrow. It's something you're excited about, that you love, that you find so rewarding and fulfilling. Just think about this for a moment. It is 100% God's will that you find the place where you spend most of your time at work incredibly enjoyable, fulfilling, and satisfied. Who would agree with me that must be God's will? He doesn't want you to live a miserable life day in and day out, waiting for the next holiday, waiting for the weekend, waiting for the the end of the day. Um, But God wants that for you. But to step into this is not going to fall out of the sky. You have to pray into it. You have to pray, God, do a shift in my life. And bring me into alignment of your will, whereby tomorrow I'm excited to be heading to work. And by the end of the day, you feel satisfied, you feel fulfilled. This is what God has for all of us. And uh, so tonight, I really seriously believe, can change the rest of your life. Why stay miserable for the next 10, 20, 50, 60 years when you can change it? But it does require a bit of prayer. Also, we're going to pray for miracles in the marketplace, anointing to excel in your job. And... uh, as I was preparing this, actually, I really felt the Holy Spirit say, Tark, I want you to pray for healing because for some people, their time has come. Their moment's come. And I thought, wow, really? And also to pray for um, miracles in relationships and marriages because for some people, you've prayed for so long, but the times are now come. It's come. You know, there is a breakthrough moment. You understand that, don't you? And so we're going to go after those two things, but also along with the whole marketplace, in which I'm really 
so, so excited about. All right, we're going to be going to their campuses very, very shortly, and I know our team is all set and ready to go. Well, good morning, everybody. I'd like to welcome all our campuses on board with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Trust you're doing well. I hope you enjoyed your worship time and that you had a moment with God, or you had an encounter with God, or you heard His voice, or a breakthrough, or something happened during your worship time. Well, most of you know I returned from the United Kingdom uh, last weekend and uh, managed to actually get to Paris and to Barcelona. And uh, that's the first time from recollection I've added a bit of holiday and sightseeing in over 30 to 40 years. I've never done it before, but finally, (laughs) somehow got around to doing it. I usually fly in preach the day I fly in. I even flew on a day before I had to preach, which was a miracle in itself. And then usually I just fly out and you know, I keep going. But anyway, it was all over uh, social media. I know all of you who follow me on, on Instagram and Twitter, at Tarkbana, if you don't do that. <laughs> when you stand at the judgment seat of Christ, <laughs> God have mercy on your soul. Facebook, Running With Fire with Tark Barnes, so sign up right now. Hey, the trip was marked by one word, favor. Favor, favor, favor. Everywhere we went, God was there. For a start, we had 10 days of virtually no, beautiful sunshine. I mean, it showered once, I think, but I was indoors when that happened. And, um, and for 10 days, it was just fantastic. When we got to Barcelona, we were going up in this chairlift thing, uh, gondola, and a couple were in there, and they just said they'd been there for a week, and the weather had not been good. It just turned that morning when we turned up. Yeah. It happens so much. It's just an amazing thing. When we got to our hotel in Barcelona, they said uh, the hotel room, they said the hotel's booked up, uh, Mr. Barna, so we've had to um, upgrade you to the executive suite. <laughs> when I walked into the room, the marble floors, that was the, the entrance there, this massive room, I, I broke into worship. And I said, God, why am I... What, what's this worship about? Like, I was really surprised at myself. And it's like the Lord spoke to me and said, Son, I did this especially for you. I want you to know I've got your back. You know, it pays to serve God. I've lived in some of the, been in some of the most dungy hotels on the planet, which just are horrific places. Adrian's been with me in them. But payday comes. And God says, You'll never outserve me. I'll, I'll somewhere along there, I'll make, I'll make up with it. You may have to wait 30, 40 years for it, but it will come, all right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, so we're going to show you a DVD clip, just some of the highlights, uh, some of the pictures of UK and beyond. So let's have the lights out and check it out. Oh, 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 oh,
I believe God has given me faith to believe that a nation can turn to Jesus. It's happened in the past. It can happen again. It's going to happen again. We are here because we believe we serve a God who is great enough, who is powerful enough to turn a community, to turn a nation and bring it back to the feet of Jesus, where it rightly belonged. Satan does not own the United Kingdom. He is a trespasser. He needs to be evicted in Jesus' name. And the gospel restored to its rightful place. You see, we must be global Christians with a global mission because we have a global God. Well, can I say that um, you all did an amazing job at United Kingdom and beyond. Congratulations. You were outstanding because this was a team effort. If none of you were here, there would be no Church Unlimited, is that right? There'd be no money, (laughs) there'd be no United Kingdom and beyond. This is a team effort, and every one of you played a part. So just tell the person next to you, you were outstanding in the United Kingdom. You really were. You know, it was a testimony to the power of prayer and fasting. Your conference was a great success. It was probably extraordinary. Right up with, you know, it was actually similar size to Christchurch, if you've ever been to Christchurch. Um, so good, solid turnout and uh, the presence of God. There were some amazing, amazing messages. The, the, the impetus of the Spirit was there. The presence of God came. At times it was an open heaven and it was just a, just a wonderful conference. To be able to take a conference from New Zealand to the United Kingdom and pull it off was quite an exceptional thing to do so well done church unlimited across campuses everybody your part you all played a part wow you know God's just working through this church in just some tremendous ways and the the team of 26 from New Zealand was amazing the conference ran like clockwork it almost seemed like there was no stress we didn't miss a beat there was extraordinary unity between uh, Birmingham uh, City Church and Church Unlimited, all the people working together. And you know, the United Kingdom people were absolutely blown away. They couldn't believe that these 26 people paid their own airfares, their own accommodation, own travel, own food to run a conference at the, uh, you know, the, at the ends of the earth, the other side of the world. And you know, Mike uh, Perlovacci and Jay John, they couldn't get over it. They'd, they'd drive into the car park and there would be Tim Bryant and Ivan Madsen, you know, paid their own fares, you know, thousands of dollars to get to the United Kingdom to serve in the car park. It's like, it's like they're thinking, what is this Church Unlimited? How have you created that kind of passion and zeal for God, for mission, for outside the four walls of your own church? They were just blown away. It just came up so many times that it was just an extraordinary thing. And I think that's one reason why God blessed the conference so, so much. As I said, the high point for me was the prayer session. And if you want a high point, you want it in the prayer session. Anyone can preach. But a prayer session, just God just 
Yeah, it was, it was very strong. The apostolic prophetic anointing was really strong. I could have just kept going because there was a flow in the spirit of what God was saying at different points in, that, uh, in the prayer session. And uh, they were blown away uh, by the prayer session. And how, you, how we managed to go to another country with pastors, leaders, churches, denominations we have had nothing to do with and bring them all together, pray together, and God to turn up, it's, it's a miracle. That is miracle territory. You just can't do that, but God can do it. And uh, it was good. So the conference was such a tremendous success that I think it was on the last uh, morning I announced that uh, we will be back in September 2019. And so we're already taking registrations for next year, and the, the registrations are over 100 already. So well done to everybody across our campuses. It was outstanding. Father, we just thank you as we come into your presence this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you are here with us right now, Father. And Holy Spirit, we pray that as we come to your word, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, as only you can. Father, help us to hear your voice, Lord, in a, a unique way. Father, we've had messages coming out of our ears, but Lord, we need a work of your spirit within that changes us. So we invite you, Father. Holy Spirit, we give you access to the inner recesses of our lives. And we pray that today something will change, something will shift, something will break, something will move. Lord, that we become more in line with the people you want us to be. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Well, thousands of great preachers have done their best across the Western world, and the gospel is still struggling to make any significant progress. And so the time has come for God's end time army to arise, an army that's going to preach with power. It's going to be salt and light. They'll see multitudes saved and bring revival. And of course, I'm speaking about each and every one of you across our campuses, uh, those who may be watching on TV at some point in time, powerful, anointed, full-time ministers, preachers of the gospel in the workplace, in your street, in your school, in your home, wherever God has placed you. To recap from part one, researchers found that three out of four of the highest profile People in the Bible, in other words, 75% of them never had a religious job. They weren't pastors, they weren't missionaries, they weren't preachers as such as we know them. They were workers in the marketplace. 75% of the people like Daniel and Joseph and Abraham, they were marketplace ministers who changed the world. And that's really uh, something we're trying to come to grips with ourselves. So work is a huge part of your life. So if there's one place you need to know how to connect your faith, it is in your workplace. How to integrate faith and work. Genesis 2.15, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend it and keep it. In other words, to work. In the original paradise in Eden, God put work. Everyone say work. Now say, I love work. Oh, yeah. Okay, you liars. All right. All right. <laughs> so when God creates the perfect world, Eden, paradise, where it's as good as it's going to get, right in the midst of it, he puts 
work. <laughs> work because in God's paradise, work is the way you are fulfilled and satisfied and feel rewarded and in, have an enjoyable life. Without work, you cannot have that. This is God's pattern. It's got the way God did things. And so understanding work from a biblical perspective is absolute key to a happy life. The God of the Bible was a manual laborer. We said last time, and this blows me away, when God, the eternal creator of the heavens and earth, is through the galaxies into place, who has infinite power, who can do absolutely anything on the planet, when he came to earth, he didn't come as a king, he didn't come as a ruler, he didn't come as some god, he came as a carpenter. A carpenter. That is a massive statement. He said, I came as a worker. And that's what gives dignity to all work. Whether you sweep floors or whether you run a corporation with 2,000 staff, there's dignity in all work. And I think Jesus chose a carpenter just to bring it down to our level. The importance of work. So why has work become something many dislike? Can't wait for the weekend. Genesis 11 verse 4. We shared this last time. Come, Tower of Babel, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is to the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. That's where the trouble started. Pride. They worked for status. Well, unless we be scattered abroad across the face of the whole earth. They worked to make a name for themselves. They worked for status, for power, for pride. Look at me. The great tower I have built. Nebuchadnezzar, remember, God struck him down. As soon as he said, look at the work I have done. You can't do no work, friends. It's God who works through you. You have no ability except what is given to you by God. So never celebrate your ability. Celebrate the God who gave you the ability. It's so important when we lose that. So when that, all this stuff becomes our focus of our work, everything breaks down. We step on people. We enter a rat race, survival of the fittest. And this becomes a very demanding God that destroys lives and destroys families. Because work has become a God when it, when it was meant to be the God <laughs> that we actually serve. We end up serving our job. And it kills us because we're not designed for that. It's not the way it was meant to be. Richard Foster wrote, Jesus, we must remember, spent most of his earthly life in what we call a blue-collar job. Only three years were outside of that. He worked for God just as much in the carpenter's shop as when he ministered as a preacher. He was manifesting Christ in both. In the workshop and as a rabbi. And through our work, we are called to steward God's world. That's what work is, stewarding God's creation, making it a better place, loving people. So our mission is, restore people, is to restore people to God. That's our mission, restoring people to God. So in our work, we have to reflect God so that people are drawn to God. That, that's the whole purpose of it. 
The focus is, yeah, do a good job and all the rest. That's important. But in it, reflect God. The motivation is to reflect God. Why do you do a good job to reflect God? Why do you work hard to reflect God? Why are you honest to reflect God? Why do you love the people you work with to reflect God so they're drawn to Christ? Because that's your mission. <laughs> that's your mission. It's how we get the job done of reaching a lost world. So the Hebrew word for work, avodah, A-V-O-D-A-H, can actually mean to worship. So work is worship. When you head off to work tomorrow, you say, I'm off to worship when you tell your family, hey, I'm off to worship God. <laughs> wow, wouldn't that be awesome? And I reckon it's a higher level of worship than what we just did before. I mean, anyone can sing. <laughs> well, most of us can. <laughs> anyone can raise their hands. But oh, to love that co-worker that's a pain in the neck, that's worship. That's worship. To be 100% honest in the job and never take any equipment home, that's worship. The true level of worship. See, everything we do actually is worship, but when you go off to work tomorrow, please think, hey, I'm off to worship Jesus. <laughs> Our work changes in a wonderful way when we embrace working to please God. That's what I want to try and get across today. Colossians 3, 23 to 24, whatever you do, do it heartily. This is your job. As to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. So, who's your boss? Jesus. Jesus is your boss. He's the one you're working for ultimately. Now, there may be other people in between in that thing, but ultimately you're working for Jesus. So if you're working for Jesus, <laughs> not that stink boss, <laughs> what sort of a job are you going to do? Huh? If you're working for a human boss, you're going to slack off. You're going to say, well, he's lazy anyway. Why should I do anything? But if you're working for Jesus... Everything changes. And that's the revelation we need to get, I believe, the understanding we need to have, and you serve with a smile. So there was an owner of a small drug store who hated his job. Maybe that's you today. You just hate your job. I'm going to show you how to love your job. You ready for this? This is what he did. One day, he decided to have fun with his work by striving for excellence in delivery times. So an effort to get needed prescriptions to customers as soon as possible, when a customer who lived nearby would call an order on the phone, he would repeat the order so that his assistant could hear him and would begin to fill the order as he spoke on the phone. So with the order filled, the owner would keep the customer on the line while the delivery boy would rush out the door. When he reached the home of the customer who was still on the phone with the owner of the drugstore, the customer would excuse herself to, for a minute to answer the door. Coming back to the phone, she would express her great surprise at the quickness of the delivery. News got out about this drugstore, how it filled its orders so promptly. Soon, Charles R. R. Walgren 
was the founder of the great Walgreens drugstore empire that had more business than he could handle. It all changed when he decided to give it his best. He found joy of accomplishment and work once he, the work he once despised became something he so enjoyed because he strove to be the best at what he did. I want to encourage you. Why don't you try it? Be the best at what you do. Give it the best you possibly can. Not just good enough, just go that extra mile and something's going to change in your heart. Because it's amazing how God steps into our job and workplace when we're giving it our very best. Because that honors God and his grace comes upon him. His presence comes all over us and God begins to bless us in amazing ways. When you give it your best. Question. If God did a performance review on the job he has given you, would he be pleased? It's a good question, isn't it? How do you think he would rate you? Don't worry about how your boss rates you. It's not important. Well, it is important. But how Jesus rates you, that's really important. Because he sees everything. <laughs> Your boss doesn't see everything, but Jesus sees everything. So do you think he would want to keep you on the job? I trust he would. All right. So as you see your workplace as your mission field where you can bring the kingdom of God, then the key is to pray and fast. Seek his face for your workplace, for your work, for your workmates. Because you can bring an atmosphere of hope, encouragement, friendliness, service with a smile. If there's injustice in your workplace, you can bind up injustice, can't you? You can do that. That's got authority to do that. If you're asked to do something that's not legal or not honest, then with respect, you can make a stand like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You can ask God to help you do your work exceptionally well. Ask for creative ability to resolve problems. Ask him to help you resolve work problems, people problems, financial problems, any problems. Just ask God to help you because he is with you. you. Because as God's co-worker, you can enter the workplace with a tremendous sense of God's presence and the conviction that God's power is at work in you. So you begin to see yourself as working for God. And that he's your boss and you go to the workplace. You're a co-worker with God. You can expect his presence, his power, his anointing, his faith, his everything. But if you're working just for a natural boss, you're just going out to do a job, you are on your own, buddy. And good luck to you. You're going to be miserable, most likely. But when you're working for God and he's your boss, it all changes. It all changes. It's interesting to note that when Moses was giving the law, and we focus on the law that he gave and all the commandments and all the rest of it, which is really important. But in giving the law to the people, how they conducted their work was also included. Their scales and balances were to be just, so there was to be no cheating. They had to take care of their workers. They had to practice generosity. This is all in the law. 
how we conduct ourselves in the workplace. Have you ever thought about that? <laughs> we kind of put the law as you know, separate to our, our workplace, but it's, it's all integrated. It's all together. It's amazing. And the prophets will also pull, pull them up and had a go at them because of their workplace practices. And the reason they did this is they were not showing off God to the world around them. See, when you go to the workplace, your job, you, your job is to show God off. Hey, look at how awesome my God is. What an amazing God I serve. Isn't he incredible? <laughs> and they, they see that through your life. That's your goal when you go to work, to show God off, not to show yourself off. It's to show God off. Are we getting this? Is this starting to make some sense? It's, it's just a radical transformation of thinking. It really is. This is a game breaker. It's a game changer. It's going to take your life from being miserable 40 to 50 hours a week when you go to work to something that's exciting, fulfilling, and rewarding. It's probably not going to change overnight, but it can change. Key to preaching in your job is how you work more than what you say. Anyone can say it's how you work. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12 says, So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders. Some people feel enslaved to their work. There was a bumper sticker that expressed the opinion of many workers when it said, I'm in no hurry. I'm on my way to work. <laughs> when you get the revelation of what we're talking about, you'll be in a hurry to get to work. But don't speed because you get a ticket. You'll be late. Have you ever felt your job was a bondage, a pain? You have four coffee breaks before lunch just to survive? Anyone like that here? Surveys tell us seven out of ten are dissatisfied with their jobs and dread going to work. Seventy percent of people don't like going to work. They dread it. Why? Because they don't understand what it's all about. They're working for a human boss. They're working to make a name for themselves. They're working to look good. It's all broken. It's not going to work. <clears throat> but principles in Scripture can change all that for us. Change our attitude toward work so that it goes from being a chore to something we enjoy and look forward to. So there's two principles. The first one is a right attitude. Turn up every day with a good attitude. Tell the person next to you, good attitude tomorrow, please. <laughs> good attitude tomorrow. It's amazing how you can walk in with a sour face, right? Looking miserable, unhappy, angry. What does that do to showing God off? Look at my Jesus that I serve, and you're down in the mouth, and you're miserable and angry and critical. That's not showing Jesus off. Walk in with a smile. Good morning, everybody. I'm here. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get into it today. It's going to be an awesome day. This is the day the Lord has made. You might not go that far. <laughs> Come on, team. Isn't this fun? Don't you love working here? Isn't he the most amazing boss we've ever had? <laughs> no, but never mind. <laughs> Say it anyway. Many workers, well, it says in Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Surveys tell us that this kind of work, effort has be work ethic has become more and more rare. 
Many workers do the least they can, just enough to get by. I read this, things to say if you get caught asleep at your desk. Should it happen? You just say to the boss, this is just a 15-minute power nap, like they raved about in the time management course you sent me to do. (laughs) Or, did you think I was sleeping? No, I was meditating on the mission statement you shared with me. Or, in Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) Fasten your seatbelts. Employee theft is the greatest threat, one of the greatest threats to business today. In the United States alone, it's 50 billion a year. It's just in the United States. That's workplace theft. Time theft. Everyone smile. Time theft, which is arriving late, leaving early, playing sick when you're not, accounts for a further $150 billion a year in the United States. The writers of the day America told the truth. I'll talk about New Zealand, but we don't have those facts here, but much the same. The writers reported only one in four workers say they give their best efforts. One in four. Most admit spending 20% of their time goofing off. Almost half workers admit to calling in sick when they're not sick. Wow. You know what's the saddest fact of all? Surveys tell us that Christian workers are just as guilty. We have to ask the question, what's happened? What's happened when our work ethics are no better than non-Christians? Jody said something in the announcements that really caught my attention about in the Old Testament, it just seemed God seemed so harsh. You know, there was so much judgment on things that were done wrong. And I think she made the point like, but it was a statement of God's holiness. We serve a holy God. And these facts have to change. The church, we, 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 you know, talking to everybody across campuses and on TV, we've got to be different. We're to be salt and light. We're to show Jesus off. We're to tell them that we don't buy into all the nonsense of the world. We are different. We are salt. We are light. In his book, Your Work Matters to God, Doug Sherman says we're in the midst of a moral mudslide in the workplace. And Christians are caught in the drift. Another writer concluded the so-called Protestant work ethic is long gone from today's workplace. That's talking about us. That's a Christian work ethic is long gone. So as Christians, we need to go against this flow. Always give our best, whether our job is to vacuum the office or to supervise workers. I'm going to show you a DVD clip right now about some dry bones. I want you to see it as a picture of 
Okay, sure, the church and Christians in the workplace may be like some dry bones at the moment, but I'm praying and believing the breath of God is going to come. And there's going to arise in the workplace an exceedingly great army that is going to change community, bring transformation, and hopefully revival to our nation. So let's check out this clip. Think about workplace at the moment as dry bones. The hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Think workplace. He asked me, Son of man, Think workplace can these bones live? I said, O oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the voice of the Lord. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the, the army arising together. Workplace ministers, powerful, anointed, and tendons and bringing revival and transformation. And skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath and say to it, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Wow. Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Wow, I can feel it. There's an army that's going to arise. An army of workplace ministers that are going to bring transformation. You know, the, the work ethic of the Shakers is a great example. Sect of believers that existed till the late 19th century had some odd doctrines and practices. But they built some of the world's greatest furniture. This is what they taught their craftsmen. Make every product better than it's ever been done before. Folks, always do the next time better than the time before. Amen. Whatever you do, do it better the next time. Even if it's one thousandth of a bit better, but it's better. Make parts you cannot see as well as the parts you can see. That's the key, folks. What people can't see in your workplace, do that just as well. Even though it's never going to get the attention of the bosses. It says, use only the best materials, even for the most everyday items. Give the same attention to the smallest detail as you do to the largest. Design every item you make to last forever. They were known for the way they loved their work. And they loved it because they did it with a right attitude. They loved their work. They learned that when we give our all at work, whether we're a boss or an employee, our labors become more fun, more meaningful, more rewarding. God steps in and begins to bless in a great way. The second thing that we need, one, is a right attitude. But we must strive to please the right boss. As we've been saying, Colossians 3, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men. We must always remember who our ultimate boss is and all our work is for him. 
We're actually fulfilling God's call upon our lives. We're fulfilling our destiny. We're fulfilling, fulfilling what God created us for. Yeah, you do work in the church, and that's great as well. But hey, there's this, work, this calling in the workplace as well. And they're both as important as the others. But the one in the workplace is where you spend a lot more of your time. So you really need to nail it in that area. And we, when we think this way, it changes everything. We have a tendency to rise to the special heroic occasions, but God has created us to do our good works in the midst of the humdrum of daily living. We need to look at little things we have to do day in and day out as an opportunity to please God. It's a great statement from Hudson Taylor, missionary to China. He said, a little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in a little thing is a big thing to God. That is massive, folks. A little thing is a little thing. But faithfulness in the little things is a big thing. It's a massive thing. It's a gigantic thing. It really is. I'm going to make a statement that I have long believed with all of my heart. Is that faithfulness in little is the key to a truly blessed and glorious future. And some people never nail it in the little things. They think the little doesn't matter. As long as I nail the big things, it's all right. No, no. Anyone can nail the big things. We all rise to the big challenges, but the heart is revealed in the little things. Little thing is a little thing. But faithfulness in a little thing is a massive thing. Of course, Hudson Taylor became one of the greatest missionaries of all time. So God wants to greatly use you in the marketplace as an anointed full-time minister of the gospel as much as I am. And this is a great need we have, I believe, today to reach our world for Christ. It's time for this powerful army, end-time army of workplace ministers to arise across the face of the globe. See multitudes saved, bring revival, and I trust usher in the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, campuses. For joining us, trust you enjoy the rest of your service today. God bless you.